Good afternoon, everyone. I'm John Calcicchio. I'm the Acting Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. We want to welcome you to our Teletown Hall uh, on Small Business. And so today, uh, we were uh, going to be celebrating this week, uh, Small Business Week. So that's you, the small business owners. Uh, and what we wanted to do, instead of uh, just having a presentation uh, from folks in government or folks uh, who uh, study small business, we wanted to actually highlight some small business owners. Uh, so that's what we're here to do today. And I'm with Christy Whitfield, uh, the director of the Department of Small and Local Business Development, as well as uh, Unique Morris Hughes, who joins us on the phone line uh, from the Department of Employment Services. Uh, but we also have with us uh, uh, on the screen, as you'll see, uh, if you're tuned in on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, or watching on Channel 16, uh, some of the business owners that make uh, DC uh, what it is. And so I want to just uh, bring them into it, and that is uh, Virginia Ali and Data Ali from Ben's Chili Bowl, uh, uh, Renata from uh, Black Squirrel Company, Andrew from Call Your Mother Deli, uh, Michael and Harrison from Compass Coffee. Uh, and we're going to hear a little bit about their stories about how since coronavirus uh, came to D.C. and since the start of the pandemic uh, and the public health emergency that followed, how they've been able to pivot. Uh, as you know uh, from the days where we used to watch basketball, the playoffs would be, uh, we'd be in the midst of the playoffs right now uh, where if we were under normal times. And uh, a pivot is obviously a, a way that a mayor, uh, a, excuse me, a player makes a move uh, to change their direction. Uh, and so today we're going to talk to the business, small business owners who are with us uh, to talk about how they're making the pivot uh, to get through this pandemic. Uh, and so we're excited to hear uh, from some of our business owners. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to go to Unique Morris Hughes, uh, the Director of the Department of Employment Services, to talk to us a little bit about how uh, uh, unemployment insurance uh, is being rolled out uh, and some of the uh, latest updates on that. Uh, so, uh, Unique, can you hear us? I can. Thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate it. Um, and I'd be happy to talk about unemployment uh, insurance and how uh, we, through the leadership of the mayor, are trying to sim uh, support uh, district residents, district workers, those that are self-employed, um, and others that may benefit from the benefits that we're offering. Um, first is our traditional unemployment insurance program. Um, we have seen an increase in the number of claims filed, but the unemployment insurance program is a good way for um, individuals who have either had to uh, or had work reduced um, or have lost their jobs either temporarily or permanently um, seek some economic relief. Um, the maximum weekly benefit here in the District of Columbia is $444. However, through the CARES Act, um, there's an additional $600 um, that uh, uh, claimants are eligible to receive. So an individual who is seeking unemployment insurance relief or benefits um, could receive up to $1,044 a week. Um, the second uh, program that we have uh, is our Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, also known as PUA. And this is a unique program geared towards individuals that are self-employed, um, gig workers, 1099s, or those that may not be eligible for the traditional unemployment insurance program. 
The application is now live um, and on the DOES website. And um, it is the same maximum weekly benefit under the traditional unemployment insurance program um, is eligible for this program, which is um, up to $1,044. Now, to learn more about the PUA um, program, uh, there is information on coronavirus.dc.gov uh, that you could or an individual could um, uh, look up to learn more about eligibility and what you need to apply, but it's a good way to also seek um, economic relief. Additionally, through the CARES Act, um, unemployment insurance benefits have been extended to 39 weeks. So there's an additional 13 weeks that individuals can claim um, for, and this is another way to provide much-needed economic benefits and support um, during really these, um, uh, you know, uh, unsure and, and somewhat turbulent um, times. The last thing that I'd like to mention that small businesses um, can take advantage of is our short-term compensation or also known as shared work program. It's a way to reduce the hours of your staff um, without cutting your staff completely and uh, leveraging unemployment insurance funding to support the, the loss in hours um, or wages for those individuals. And there is more information on coronavirus.dc.gov on that program as well. Um, Deputy Mayor Falchicchio, thank you so much for having me on. I look forward to an exciting discussion today. So, Unique, I'm going to take a little bit of uh, privilege here and ask a question. Uh, I had this one real, literally as I was walking in today. Uh, someone asked, they have uh, five for PUA, but they were denied. Um, and they were wondering, is that because they have been eligible for unemployment, or what could that be? Because I think there's some confusion about whether you apply and you're not uh, have your claim accepted. Are you able to apply, apply again, or how does that work? Because that was uh, the most. Yes. Yeah, so um, individuals should apply again. And you're right, it could be um, one of many factors, but one factor could be they may be eligible for traditional unemployment insurance. Um, we put together and spent a lot of time on this really neat guide um, that the mayor released, I think, two weeks ago, and PUA is covered in the guide. Um, I, if I was the individual, I would walk through the eligibility criteria and the documents needed to prove eligibility uh, to determine there first um, if I had everything that I need to uh, apply. Certainly being eligible for UI could be a factor in why an individual would be denied um, PUA. Worst case scenario, um, I recommend emailing us. We have a specific um, email address that we're currently using. It is uh, COVID, sorry, COVID19.ui at dc.gov. It's also on the coronavirus.dc.gov. Uh, our contact information is on the coronavirus.dc.gov website. Shoot us an email um, and uh, explain your circumstance, and one of our customer navigation uh, specialists will help you determine which program is best for you. So I'm going to try that email address at covid19.dc.gov. 
ui at dp.gov. Is that right? You, you got it, John. That's great. All right, thanks so much. And next up is Director Christy Whitfield, uh, who, in addition to administering some local programs, has helped us navigate some of the federal programs. So, uh, Christy, do you want to give an update on where we are? Well, sure. Uh, thank you, Deputy Mayor. Um, so, good, after, good afternoon, everyone. So, DSLBD, the Department of Small and Local Business Development, you know, every day our team is working with local businesses to help figure out these uncertain times. And, you know, as the deputy mayor said, this is supposed to be small businesses. And we decided that it is still small businesses. And we like to say it's always small businesses for us. You know, we are working to help small businesses figure out and navigate the SBA resources, which are, you know, we're working in partnership with the SBA. Um, there is still some PPP resources out there, the Payroll Protection Program, um, the, the EDIL, um, the SBA.disasterrelief.sba.gov. Um, we know that sometimes people are hesitant to ask for help from the SBA, to ask for help from government. We want people to know the SLBG is here to help you navigate those resources in partnership with the SBA, in partnership with the SBA lenders that are working very hard to try and get people um, the help that they need as you're figuring out if these resources are right for you. Um, we are also working with our main streets that are across the city. We have 24 main streets across the city um, that are working hard hand in hand with our local businesses that are trying to figure out and navigate these times. Um, we know that these weeks have been difficult for people, and we are hearing all kinds of stories of uncertainty, but we are also hearing a lot of stories of hope and resilience. And that's why we wanted to make sure that we are shining through some good news, too. We know that people that start businesses do it usually to solve a problem or to set their own path in the world or to figure out something. And we keep hearing these different stories. And I was on the phone with different businesses just this afternoon where we were saying, hey, we want to figure out a different delivery mode. And we want to figure out how to help our neighbors. And we want to keep serving the businesses that we serve. And so this week for the Teletown Hall, um, instead of kind of doom and doom, because sometimes it's scary, we wanted to really highlight businesses that have been through different types of trials and tribulations or who are figuring out these uncertain times together. And so we've got four businesses on the phone behind us. And um, so we've got Ben Tillybull, who's been an uh, uh, institution in the city for, for decades now, um, a black school company, Call Your Mother Deli, and Compass Coffee. And so we were going to start with Ben Tillybull because they've been with us the longest um, of all the companies on the, uh, on the phone. And Mrs. Ali and her daughter, um, Vita, we were, hello, good afternoon. I'm turning around, but I guess Sarah's behind us. You know, we know that Ben has been with us in the city through good times and bad times. And we know that you all have the experience of sticking it through. And we want to welcome you and thank you for what you've done in the city. We've heard wonderful stories about things you're doing to serve the city as you continue. And we want to just give you a moment to talk about your experience through, through these COVID-19. Good afternoon, everyone. So I have mom here today. Although she's not been part of the day-to-day -day since COVID-19, um, we've been handling that. 
I thought it would be nice to have her on because she was there from the beginning um, 61 years ago. So, you know, her whole philosophy has been this too shall pass, even with the uncertainty of this pandemic. Um, I wanted her to speak a little bit of how she, um, you know, lasted 60 years, and then I'll take it from there. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, yes, we opened on August 22nd, 1958, and my 61 years at Benz has, we've seen many, many challenging times, um, but um, we've always had that philosophy that this too shall pass. And, of course, we are now in this beautiful city with an amazing mayor, and together we will get through this. So one of the things in um, what we realized once this COVID-19 became an actual pandemic, because at first we were all taking we were all taking it a day at a time, and once we noticed it was serious, and you know guidelines have to be followed, and the the uncertainty of how long it's going to last, we had to pivot because we were known as the the gathering place, and everyone wanted to come and sit and dine, and we we switched to um, we added a you know, we now can do delivery services through Grubhub and Uber, and you can order online. We do curbside. Um, but one of, the, one of the fascinating things to us was as we were gathering our thoughts and figuring out the next um, steps, it's working with the team members and asking them what works best for them. Some prefer to stay at home because they had young kids and live with elderly, so we just we just came together as a community, just like a, as a larger community of what we're doing, and that's how we'll get through this. And we found that the community contacted us saying, how can we give back um, to Ben's? And um, through that, we said, you know what, Let's every dollar that's given to us, um, we give it back to the first responders and uh, um, healthcare workers. And we have found that just that care given in, to give and to receive is what we'll make it, how we'll make it through. And it's, I think it's heartwarming to see how a city can come together during a pandemic and just know if tomorrow is not um, hopeful or you're not sure of the uncertainty of what's to come, know that uh, together we will get through this. Definitely. Well, thank you for that. This is John. And I, I just, uh, I was at Ben's Chili Bowl uh, last Saturday. Uh, and Mayor Bowser uh, asked me when I went, uh, was Mrs. Ali there? And I said, no, she wasn't. And she said, good, she better not be. She better be home, staying away from, you know, the public because of the pandemic. So tell us, that's got to be hard, though, too, Mrs. Ali, for something that you've built over the years. How do you stay in touch with the folks that you've met uh, over the years uh, at, in this trying time? So she has sinus issues, so she can't hear. So, Mom, what, um, this was this is John. Uh -huh. um, last Saturday, he came to the chili bowl, and the mayor asked him, "Was were you there?" And he said, "No." But he said, "How is how are you dealing with not being to be at, to be at the chili?" The most difficult part of this for me is not being able to go to the chili bowl. I was going every day. It never occurred to me not to go. When a few a couple of weeks ago, my son said to me, "Mom." You're approaching your 87th birthday. If you get this virus, you won't survive it. Would you please go home and stay home? And he threatened Vita to be sure that I was, <laughs> yeah. that she could keep me here, take my car keys, flatten the tire or something. <laughs> so I, I miss it so much. I miss meeting my community and greeting my 
guests and getting many hugs, and now we can't even get close. Uh, but um, I'm looking forward to returning. I certainly expect to return when all this is gone. So thank you so much. And, John, to answer that, too, one of the questions that were asked of us, how would you know when things are back to normal, whether it's a new normal or what the future holds? We say, when mom is at the chili bowl again, that's how we'll know we're back to normal. <laughs> and I would know that from our mayor. <laughs> Amen. Now, you also, so you've availed yourself to some of the programs, too. So you looked at sort of PPP as one option. How did you decide what program would work for Ben? You know, that's a very good question because, honestly, we appreciated the federal assistance, but at first we didn't quite understand. um, The the guidelines to us was a little bit confusing, so we turned um, and to the family, and we just kind of said, okay, what do we, what do we anticipate? What do we think we're going to need? And um, the PPP made the most sense um, when we saw all the different um, types of assistance, and we went with the PPP. The first round, um, we did not get through as many other um, small businesses, mm-hmm. and it looks like we were approved for the second round. Um, and so we're still waiting to, to see the amount and so forth. But the good news is we did get through for the second round. Um, so we're just thankful that the assistance is there. I think what will get be interesting is to see, you know, the future of that because it's still some uncertainty of what's forgivable, what's not, and the timeline and so forth. But at the moment, just having the assistance is what we're thankful you for. It's proved, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, you know, Ben's Chili Bowl is the story of D.C., so that uh, story of hope and resilience uh, is one that we really wanted to hold up today. So thank you for joining us. Next, we're going to go to Renata uh, from uh, the Black Squirrel Company. And Renata, tell us a little bit about uh, your company and how you've been navigating uh, the pandemic. Hello. um, Black Squirrel Company, I'm actually, I'm split between two spheres of design. Um, I do graphic design, help people build websites and also logos and flyers. But then the other side of my house, uh, I also do um, personalized home goods and small personal goods like purses, um, small uh, accessories, earrings, items like that. Um, So my pivot, I guess, uh, actually came to me. Um, I was like, it was about the first week of pandemic and I started stressing out and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to have sales? Um, we had events planned and I started getting cancellations about the events. Um, I vend at um, usually big events um, and um, I started to panic and I actually talked to a family member and they told me, um, you know, the best way to calm yourself down is to stop thinking about yourself and give back to somebody else. So I started making masks for um, DZ Medical Center, which is on the Eastern Shore. Um, and my husband took a picture of me as I was working and as my daughter was playing with the scrap, and I just started getting requests for masks. And I said, well, if you're a first responder or you can work um, uh, on the front line, like grocery store workers, I didn't care. Um, I made masks and I sent it to them. But then I started getting a lot of people that said, this is like probably the second week, um, the final week in March. I started getting uh, requests and people saying they would pay for them. And one day I got 20 requests and then I realized, you know, Renata, you have to build, I had to build up my website. 
So I switched around my website and I built it out so that people could start purchasing masks. And actually that money funneled back into the donations I was making, which helped, was like, became self-sufficient. Um, and I just continued to create masks and send out donations weekly to people that um, requested them and still doing it today. I have four more that I have to send out today. Um, so it, it, it was more, less of a pivot, but more of a, um, a stabilizer mentally for me. And um, when you said you had to kind of update your website, how'd you go about that? How'd you know how to navigate that? Um, especially as people are so scattered right now. How'd you figure that part out? Um, well, I do that for customers. So I had already that in front of mine. I, I had um, working experience doing it, but my website was originally just a portfolio. So if people wanted graphic design services, they could contact me, but they could also see my online portfolio. Um, because I was doing e-commerce through um, Instagram, because most of my items are um, couture, um, custom. So I built it out. I just added on the e-commerce side um, so that I could, people could select what different types of fabric. And as you can see, I have tons of fabric. So I just built it out so that people can go through and select the fabric and what size they wanted. Um, and then from there, people, people just kept ordering. So you, you have to give us the website while you've got it. What's the website? Oh, it's blacksquirrel.company. Yes, blacksquirrel.company. Fantastic. Thank you. And let's uh, pull in uh, next uh, Michael and Harrison. Uh, Michael and Harrison are of uh, Compass Coffee. Uh, so let's hear a little bit about kind of how you all have uh, weathered the pandemic uh, and any of the pivots that you may have made. Sure. So, hi everyone. I'm Harrison, and uh, to my left is Michael. We're from Compass Coffee. Uh, needless to say, like so many other small businesses, the pandemic has been devastating, and the first week was incredibly difficult. Um, just kind of staring at the unknown and not sure what what we would do. Um, put our heads together. We had heard that there was a shortage of hand sanitizer uh, and, and started, uh, started experimenting. We got to work. One of the, the things that we've always done is we've made uh, vanilla syrup and chocolate sauce and uh, all the different flavorings that go along with coffee. And uh, one of the things that we really believe in is that if you're going to have a vanilla latte, the vanilla syrup has to be as good as the coffee. So we actually have a, a pretty large scale industrial bottling line in Ivy City. And we were able to repurpose the bottling line to make uh, bottles of what we're calling a simple sanitizer. We're following the World Health Organization recipe, which is pretty basic. It's mostly isopropyl alcohol and some glycerol and hydrogen peroxide. And uh, really we're, we're thankful that we can make a product that, that people need right now that goes a long way in stopping the spread of coronavirus. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been good for business. We've been making something that people want, and we're incredibly proud to be helping building D.C. So, you know, we've got the Made in D.C. logo over here behind us, and, and we're just proud to be supporting D.C. Great. And uh, so I'm not only a customer uh, when it comes to your uh, teas and uh, your other treats, uh, but we're also a customer in D.C. government. Uh, and so 
how many gallons of uh, sanitizer have you sold and uh, are you ramping up production? Is that something you think you want to sustain going forward? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Our first major order uh, actually came from Mayor Bowser and her administration. Uh, she quite rightly identified the shortage and got out in front of it. So uh, we quickly made a thousand gallons uh, alongside uh, Union Kitchen and, uh, and Republic Restoratives actually. And uh, since then, we've, we've actually started to scale this aspect of the business. The demand is there. People want to sanitize their hands as they go to the grocery stores, they come back. And so uh, we're seeing an opportunity to um, A, keep Compass productive, but also hire people back. And so that's been really fulfilling that uh, since, uh, since we started to grow the hand sanitizer production, it created jobs and we we're able to bring back uh, people from our team. So when you started making coffee, of course, you probably never thought to yourself, one day we're going to be also making hand sanitizer. So that's a, not the kind of pivot that you probably envisioned. And when we spoke earlier, I was asking you, you know, where your coffee sales are in relation to your hand sanitizer sales. So maybe talk about that a little bit. There, there are so many things we never imagined that we would be doing. And uh, the, these days, uh, hand sanitizer sales are actually uh, greater than, than coffee sales. Um, we've closed half of our cafe's uh, business at the, the locations that are open is significantly down. It, it's a pretty difficult time for any sort of uh, physical restaurant coffee um, business. And uh, having, having this pivot to hand sanitizer, as, as long as there's a need, we're, we're going to keep making it. And uh, we're, we're very thankful that, you know, we, we can contribute in this manner. So, you know, thank you. And then I think you guys have also um, tried some, applied for some different types of support. Talk about the types of support that you've, uh, that you've used during this pandemic. Well, I mean, first off, I'd like to thank the D.C. government. We've actually received uh, two grants. We received the, the robust retail grant. Uh, back in March, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that we got approved for the um, the, the COVID grant at the beginning of, of this month. Um, still waiting on, on final details on that one, but basically the, the two DC grants have been very helpful, and uh, we're working with our bank, Eagle Bank. They're a great local bank to uh, finalize the details of a PPP loan. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff up in the air with it, but we're very optimistic that we're going to get it this time around. And so last but not least, we want to talk about um, Call Your Mother Deli. So many years ago, I was called crazy because we started our business during a recession. And I don't think anyone could be even crazier than starting their business during a global pandemic. And so I was talking earlier with the owners of Call Your Mother Deli and said, are people telling you guys you have lost your mind? to expand the business and open a new location during a global pandemic. And they said, well, we want to spread more love, joy, and fun to the Barracks Row Main Street area. And so tell us about how you're spreading more fun during a global pandemic. Right. Um, yes, people have definitely said we are absolutely crazy for doing this. 
Um, let me just briefly take you back to the beginning of when sort of the pandemic was kicking off and how we were thinking about things. Um, you know, it all hit pretty quickly and, you know, you're getting advice from sort of a, a million different, you know, angles at the same time. And most of the advice we were getting was uh, hoard your resources, hoard your cash, uh, tell your staff to go on an employment. Um, and that just didn't sit right with us. You know, we spent years and years and years building a, a company culture that is based on fun and family. And we truly believed in that stuff. Um, so we basically took a step back and our master plan, if you will, was we're going to pay people as long as we can. And we don't know how we're going to do it for more than two, four weeks at a time. Um, but we're going to take it a day at a time. Um, so our great pivot was just, let's keep people paid as long as possible. And if we go down, we're going to go down together. Um, so we closed for two weeks and just said, okay, how can we operate safely? Um, so we did some test runs at hospitals just to see could we produce bagels with the skeleton crew uh we did a big fundraiser on our website where we sold you know future pizza making classes future bagel making classes um so we could raise some funds to pay staff we actually uh raised seventy five thousand uh, dollars which is a whole payroll which was amazing um and then we reopened after those two weeks uh and it went really well at the uh, original call your mother in parkview uh, and part of uh, the steps to reopen is we sent a survey to our whole staff saying, uh, A, can you work? Do you want to work? And if you can work, how do you get to work? Um, and we asked anybody that had to take public transport or had to get in a ride share or who lived with anybody who was high risk not to come to work and that we we're still going to pay you, but please don't come in. Um, you know, let's like look at this as, as a village and let's take care of each other. And there was a bunch of people who said they wanted to work. Um, but they lived over in Capitol Hill um, and could only get to work with public transport. So we took a step back and said, okay, we have the staff over by our new shop that's supposed to open sometime in the future. Uh, we figured out through baking these bagels for the hospitals that we do have the output to bake enough bagels to sort of open this next operation. Um, it's a way to create some more revenue so we can keep all of our staff paid, all 144 people still on payroll, you know, eight weeks later after all this thing has kicked off. Um, and then sort of the icing on the cake is, as you said, it was it was something positive to do in this time where it's just, you know, everything is so anxiety and sort of dread filled and the ability to do something for our staff and for our community that was positive and treading in the right direction um, was a no right was a no brainer. So when we had the opportunity to do it and the pieces sort of fit together, we said, absolutely, let's do it. Uh, and we've been open for a little more than two weeks now, and it's been amazing uh, the whole Capitol Hill neighborhood has totally embraced us. It's been busy. It's been smooth. It's been safe. Um, so two thumbs up. And we're going to go to uh, the callers on the Teletown Hall. If you have a question, uh, if you press zero now, that could get into the queue. But Christy, you want to ask Andrew something? Well, I I wanted to say that you know in every one of these in every one of these stories, we see that you know. The dedication of the small business owners to their community and to their and to their staff. You know, Mayor Bowser always says that small businesses are the backbone of our local economy and our city. And I think that each of these stories is is demonstrating that. And I wanted to just ask each of the each of the owners to just say a little bit about 
you know, their experience of their staff in their community. Because I think that what you're doing naturally is an expression of that, but I think that sometimes what you do naturally doesn't really get highlighted enough. And I wanted to say, you know, can you say a little bit about how you feel as business owners and your, and your role as you're contributing back to your city through this, through this crisis? I mean, I can go first. I, you know, I was born and raised in D.C. I grew up in Mount Pleasant, so I have a, a deep, deep love for this city and, and all of the communities. Um, and the reason I got into the restaurant industry is, it, to me, it felt like an industry that wasn't full of fluff and marketing and sort of the BS that a lot of industries have. It felt real. And that's what I really love about it is, is these are real connections that you make with the community you live in. You either make a product and have good enough service where people come back or you don't, right? And you can either create uh, an environment at work that your staff really loves to come to, or you won't, like you can't really fake it. So it has to be real. Um, and I would say from top to bottom, the community and our, our staff has totally embraced each other, right? Like the community sees that our staff is, is, you know, doing everything they can to operate safely and to bring a little joy to the neighborhood. So you see a lot of the community tipping extra, you know, way more than they normally would, or, adding in stuff to their orders of bulk bagels or coffee mugs that they normally wouldn't to add some revenue. Um, and in exchange, that motivates our staff to work even harder for the community. So it's, it's this big circle that feeds off of each other. And as, you know, being from here and loving this city, it's just a beautiful thing to see. But I can take no credit from it. That is, that is our staff and our community, sort of the synergies together. It's, it's, it's all there. Um, I can go to next. Renata Black Squirrel. Uh, my first customers were actually my neighbors. I live in Historic Anacostia, and some of my first really large orders um, were actually my next-door neighbor and a neighbor a couple doors down, and that spread to other neighbors right here, a couple blocks from me, and then just word of mouth, um, a blessing. Um, I get excited when I see my neighbors go by and they have my mask on. I mean, it's like, a, and it's a split thing because this this product that I'm creating is actually helping protect them, which I never thought of, thought in the small accessory that I would make would ever protect somebody. Um, so just they, when my community invested in me, that gave me um, more confidence. Um, it, it definitely helped during, is helping during this epidemic. Um, just especially as a small business, just to have someone write to me when they put in an order and they write and they say, hey, um, your neighbor referred me. And just to see it grow from there from, you know, Ward 8 to Ward 7, and it, it's like a natural a natural growth. And it, a lot of it was word of mouth because I'm not doing advertising at all. You have to do advertising. We'll talk about that later. But let's see, let's see Ali. So, Mom, I don't know if you want to speak of this because we're just carrying on the legacy that Mom and Pop started where your the team members and the guests are treated as family. And when this happened, just like Mom did in the past, we sat with them and we said, we're in this together, kind of like what Andrew did. It's like we're, we're in it together. We're family. We're, we're going to get through this together, whatever that means. You know, they looked at us for that hope and that they trust us to, to, and believe in us from our actions of 61 years that we take care of our um, team members. And that's critical during this period of time because it's, you're nothing without them. They're, they're the ones that 
take care of everything. And I, I always, you know, I hug and bless them and thank them every day because without them, there would be no Ben. And I think um, as long as we continue to um, take care of them the way we have, I think that's going to be the survival of Ben. Last but not least, Compass Coffee. Yeah, the uh, plan originally um, didn't survive first contact. And uh, what we saw was that as the downtown cafes, particularly the offices, uh, emptied out, um, there just wasn't anyone coming into our cafes. So we had to we had to shut down six of our 12 cafes. Um, it was terrible. Uh, no, no question about it. There's no, no, no entrepreneur who starts with the dream of one day shutting in a pandemic. What we, what we did was we preserved the leadership. Uh, fortunately for cafes that are in the neighborhoods, we're able to uh, still have customers come in, still able to operate grab and go. Um, and tried to find a new business model. Like Michael was talking about earlier, we pivoted to making hand sanitizer so that we could start hiring people back um, as best we could. And fortunately, we're, we're again hiring. Um, we're long-term optimistic, and we think that Compass will be uh, strong as we emerge from this. But, yeah, it's, it's been a real challenge for us, and, and every day is a fight. Well, why don't we go to the phone lines now? Uh, our first caller uh, will be known to many, uh, and that is uh, Mark Barnes. Uh, Mark, your line should be open. Uh, Mark, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, Mark, How you doing? Your line's open. Hey, Mark, so uh, the Ali family, I told them that I was at uh, Ben's last Saturday, but the, this Saturday I was actually at the park picking up my dinner. Um, so how's that been going for you? And you told me a story about how you had to sort of adjust because you hadn't done online orders before. I know you had a question, but before you get to that, tell us how you kind of approached uh, reopening. So when we first started, we looked at everything and we were like, mm, I don't know if that's as much of a platform for us as we thought it would be. Um, there are a lot of challenges you know, with dealing with the new models. We had never done to-go before uh, or curbside or anything like that. And we were trying to pay attention to what everybody else was doing. My numbers were pretty high. Um, they were 75000 for the weekend. Uh but the challenges that go with it for most people are going to be really, really, really hard. Uh, did we, that was our gross. It cost a lot. It was a lot of people. I'm worried about one of the challenges is when you run that many orders out, how do you keep your people socially distant in the kitchen? Um, my kitchen was built for a closer running area, I guess you can say, it worked well, but it doesn't work enough to pay the rent. 
So one of the challenges and one of the things that we're looking at is how do we make it work fully? Uh, as much as I would like to put the sugar coating on this, that I think this is going to work perfectly for us, I don't think it's a model for everyone and everybody. Um, there are challenges, I think, that are going to happen with reopening. No one's going to be able to pay the rent on 25% of the business. We were a quarter million to 300000 a week business. Um, and we're trying, while the payroll is down, we also, it's hard to get people. I, I just figured out that right now to stay home is probably a $70,000 a year salary after you get your $1,000 a week from unemployment. So there's no incentive for people to really come back. And it's actually putting a lazy bug on most people. Uh, we did a survey of all 125 of our employees that wanted to come back, and 90% of them said, I'll come back when it's safe. Now, is safe when their money runs out or is safe when they really feel it's safe? There are, you know, a couple questions there that you got to have. I feel like a lot of them are being challenged with, I can sit at home, and make $70,000 a year and do nothing, or I can go back in there and I'm only going to make 40 if that, a year. Uh, and then I'm going to be taxed on it. So you know, You've been looking at some of the different programs, too, to help the business. So have you uh, taken out any loans or accessed any of the programs? We, we, we have, and we've got... Two one, we did get two wonderful grants. I apologize that I'm not the person that knows the grants that we've got. Um, there was one that we had actually applied for before this happened that we got from the city that was very helpful. Um, and I believe that was for 7500 And then there was another one, I believe, that we got after the virus started, and that was for 10000 um then what about any of the federal programs are you working we we have we have gotten the ppp it wasn't for as much as we wanted it to be for um a lot of our some of our people are 1099 people and they ask us not to include those people it helps the question is is what happens if it was an eight-week period, you know, we were afraid to sign the papers at first. And I told Renee to go ahead and sign the papers because it's going to be whatever it's going to be is going to what it's going to be. But the challenge is, is if people aren't allowed to be out on the street yet, if people aren't allowed to come back to work, now you're charging me with this time before. So I think there's going to have to be some investigations on how this best works and best serves its purpose on getting people back up and going. If we're just delaying and creating more costs at this time and moving them further into the year or into next year, that doesn't work. If these are loans that can be adjusted, especially the PPP, so that people, in fact, can use them when they need actual workers to be on board, that's when it works for us. 
Because if I put everybody, first of all, I can't bring everybody back today because they won't come back. They don't feel like it's safe. Um, and it was a challenge getting some of the people to come in here. And the last thing we want to do is be included in what we may think, what we think may happen, and that's those 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock lawyers that get on the phone and, I mean, get on the TV and say, hey, were you ever forced to come back to work because at a dangerous time for PPP, call us at Greenberg and Betterman and so forth. We don't want to be part of that. So one, the one thing we're doing is getting everyone to reapply so they are applying to work here. Uh, and that means that you want to work. We're putting up all the signage around the whole building, even on our televisions inside, so that everybody understands, please stay, you know, the correct distance. Please wash your hands. Please do everything. And anybody who doesn't feel comfortable, we don't want you to work. And there is, you know, nothing negative on your record because you didn't feel comfortable. Um but we're working we're working on this. Do I think I think it's going to be a challenge. I think it's it's a lot for the city. I, but I think one the thing that most of us need to realize is that this is in no way the city's fault. Um, none of it. It is a going down a new road. You know, our first night open, we thought you know we knew most of this and the way that it would work, and it took three days for us to get it all in order, and we're still getting it in order. Um, it's getting better every day, but sometimes, you know, on that first time when somebody comes, because we had a big, you know, crowd, we may have put a bad taste in people's mouth, and that may not bring them back. You know, we hope, hopefully we answered all the calls um, that came upon us afterwards, and, you know, the thing, I was missing this, or this was wrong, and this uh, I'll never go to a drive-through and complain about them again, because I do understand what they go through now. Um, but there are a lot of challenges, and there are a lot of challenges for the city. I think the most important thing is is that the news and everyone else needs to understand when we say we're all in this together. That means we're not here to fight. That means we're here to learn and not to point fingers. Uh, but in fact that everybody, this is new to everyone. It's going to leave a bad taste in some people's mouths. This wasn't done. I didn't feel like this was done for me. I, I've i got a big challenge. I don't really want to be at Wells Fargo anymore. I had to go with a smaller bank who really helped us, uh, and that's Capital Bank, uh, and they were really helpful. Um and they had we had business with them before, but we were still putting our thirteen million dollars through Wells. And I can honestly say Wells doesn't care and didn't care. They never even reached out to us. Now they thanked her anybody. As soon as we started and we got in there through some other friends of ours, as soon as we started talking to Capital, they responded, they gave us they did everything. So I've gotta say they were very helpful and We've got to stand behind some of these smaller banks now once we do get back out here. You know, Mark, this is Christine. I, I tell you, when you're talking about figuring it out as you go along, I was talking with a, another business today. I was talking with, uh, with Soul Spice, and they were a, a small uh, – they were a 
bodega, and they were saying, gosh, when we first moved to online delivery, we got some things wrong. I think, I think your, your sentiment about us all figuring it out together, you know, I really appreciate that because I think that's right. I think we know, we know that there are a lot of lessons that we are learning along the way. And I think that when even seasoned business people like yourself have to go into this uncharted territory where we all are in together, I think that we are seeing, you know, and what Soul Spice was saying to me was that the environment and the, and the sentiment around the city is, is receptive to that fact that we are figuring these things out together. And customers would say, okay, well, maybe we're figuring these things out together. And we all have that same attitude. And I, and I appreciate that. And I, and I think I want to say, I, I think the, the, the panel also has said, like, gosh, we're figuring some of this stuff out. This hasn't always been the best of times. And maybe we're getting these bumps around the road when you're building a business, when you're pivoting your business. There are things that we all have to kind of maybe, you know, lessen you know, the education that we are getting together isn't pleasant. None of us asked for this, but I think that we are making ourselves stronger as a city. And I think the reason that we wanted to have this conversation together was to say that we do have these glimmering moments of light where we can come together and, and have this, these positive messages. Let's go to the next uh, caller. It's uh, Julianne from uh, Ward 2. Uh, o, o Salon. Yes, correct. So uh, we've been in Georgetown now for 20 years, and uh, we've been shut down now for seven weeks. And uh, not like every previous call, uh, we have nothing, no revenue, zero. We are hair salon. We cannot sell anything. I mean, you know, uh, they told us, you see it on TV, you can sell some color. Well, in the District of Columbia, you're not allowed to sell oxide with color to customer. You need to be a licensed hairstylist to use a 20% oxide. So I don't know how people have been able to sell it because you can't. And the sales, uh, we have clients who supported us by buying some gift card, but you know, I can tell you, myself, uh, for the month of April, uh, is less than $1,000. That's pretty much what we got. And uh, I have 11 employees. And uh, so far, we have fought to try to get PPC like everyone else. Uh, we received PPC from PNC uh, just uh, this past Friday. So we're waiting for the money. Uh, it's not what we ask either. <laughs> it's much less than uh, than what we were supposed to get. And uh, we did not receive any grant from D.C. We did not receive anything else. And I have not laid off any of my employees. And uh, I have paid them. And uh, right now, if the city doesn't reopen, I don't know how we're going to survive. Because we have a hair salon where we have... Uh, 3,000 square foot and 20 chair for only six stylists. So we can definitely do social distancing, but we don't hear any of this. We All we hear is everybody will be shut down. And uh, we don't know for how long. We don't know what we're going to do. And all we've been told is like, you know, stay safe, stay home. But nobody is making any money. None of my employees are. 
and uh, all these people are on commission, and uh, they don't have employment. So I want to want to know is what is the plan? I mean, I hear Virginia is reopening on the 15th. Uh, what date is May 15th? We have told our customer on May 15th. It looks like DC. We might be able to, but I don't hear any plan on how are we going to do it because. I have made in place in my salon. I put pixie glass. I I have prepared. My shop is ready to open, but it doesn't right. seem like the city is ready to let us open. Right. So there's a process going on right now uh, that is actually uh, called the Reopen DC Advisory Group uh, that has uh, folks from industries uh, across uh, every sector, every sort of business uh, that is advising the mayor about uh, the how to open. Uh, so the DC Health will be the agency that uh, tells us when it is safe to open, uh, and then we'll start a phase opening. And so as uh, the caller talked about, uh, the current restrictions are in place until May 15th. Uh, we imagine that uh, next week the mayor will be able to give an update about uh, what happens after uh, May 15th. Uh, but is unique, are you still on the line? Yes, I am. I'm here. So it sounded like uh, the caller was talking a little bit about kind of folks who work in the shops that are independent contractors. What's available to them uh, in just a general sense? Because I know you don't know all the specifics of it, but how, do you, how have you kind of been counseling folks in that situation? Yeah, so if they are a 1099 or independent contractor, we do recommend that they seek um, economic benefits through the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program. Um, on our website and on the coronavirus.dc.gov website, we do have information on how to apply. We also have scenarios, very common scenarios. So an individual can look um, on the coronavirus.dc.gov website, go through the guide that the mayor released um, a week or two ago, and look at the scenarios, and that'll help guide a person um, on how to apply for PUA or whether or not they're even eligible for PUA. But that's our recommendation. Great. And right now, what's the, uh, what's the average turnaround time on those, Unique? So between 14 and 21 days. Um, for uh, individuals that have less complex circumstances, it could be faster, uh, which is why I encourage everyone, if you think you're remotely eligible um, for PUA or any of the other benefits we offer, just to go ahead and submit an application uh, because it doesn't hurt to do that. And so in order to do that, um, we have a list of documents and information to try to make your application process um, smoother um, and, and more efficient or streamlined. Um, and so we only have a few more minutes, but I do want to try to take uh, one more call. Uh, and let's go to uh, uh, Mezrine. Uh, Mezrine from uh, Latin Concepts. Can you hear us? Mestrine? Hello? Yes. Hi. This is Nestrine with Latin Concepts. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Great. Thank you. And I echo everything that Mark Barnes has said. 
one of the biggest struggles with uh, for the restaurant business, my husband and I own restaurants in Washington, D.C., and we've been in business since 1996. The Our model has always been a dine-in model, and obviously we were not set up for delivery or for pickup. And, in fact, the kitchen is a small kitchen where social distancing is almost impossible. So we have been, we've experienced the complete shutdown. Now, with the PPP program that we received, we actually are scared to use it because what am I, what are we going to use it for? To pay people to stay home, we can't reopen. And really the livelihood of many restaurants in Washington, D.C. that were set up this way and would have to reopen with the um, restrictions as we see in China, in Europe with the 25% capacity, possibly moving to a 50% capacity. What does that mean to our landlord? And therefore, we really need a legislation that's going to help most of these restaurants survive. Right now, one of our restaurants, if we don't come to an agreement with our landlords, there's no reason for me to even use the PPP. I'd rather pay it back and shut the door and find a different location. So, um, and the landlords are waiting to see what's going to happen as well. So we need a push from the DC government to guide. And the only uh, rent formula that really will make sense is a percentage-based rent. And the other part of the equation that we need help from the D.C. government is on legislation for insurance coverage for loss of business. And um, obviously, insurance companies have always tried to get out of paying any type of coverage, especially with restaurants, but our, our fees are quite high. And now we need the help to be able to get coverage of loss of business. This is the only way we're going to try to survive for dine-in restaurants. Other for other uh, restaurants that were already set up for carry-out and delivery, this is the new model. This is where we all have to go to. But this takes investment for other restaurants that weren't set up. So we have to invest money in that. Uh, we've applied for every type of grant, every type of loan. Uh, we were approved for uh, EIDL, but that was four weeks ago, and we haven't heard anything as of yet. The only thing we have is the PPP, and uh, we are in fear of usage because then we'll have to pay back a loan that we don't have income for. So um, we, the way it was set up initially, I think it was rushed without understanding that, especially in the restaurant business, you need the PPP loan when you're actually functioning, not when you're shut down. So the restrictions on the PPP loan don't make sense for restaurants. I definitely appreciate that perspective. And I know I've heard that from other Thank restaurants. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, definitely have heard that from other restaurateurs about the challenge of the PPP uh, and having to expend it uh, in a deadline that doesn't allow uh, for folks to bring everyone back. Christy, in some of the conversations with the federal partners, um, have you heard any kind of flexibility or do you expect uh, future guidance or how should we advocate for that? Well, we're hoping, we're hoping for that future guidance. We know that the PPP was contemplated nationwide and that in other states, 
where this virus hit earlier, it you know it made sense where we say June 30th because we you know in, in the West where maybe opening doesn't sound as difficult by June 30th, it, you know it wasn't as a shock to the system. But we know that we are talking to every partner we can about how we're trying to make these tools viable for Washington D.C. Um, she's not alone. The call is not alone in in that feedback. Um, and we are you know we're talking to partners. And there was a, a teletown hall about trying to make sure that these uh, that that uh, I think local first had earlier today to make sure that all of these you know federal resources are are as viable for you know for our jurisdiction as possible. Great. And we just have a few more moments, like I said, but I want to make sure that we give uh, a moment to each of our uh, panelists to kind of give their parting thoughts. Now, hearing from a couple other business owners, uh, uh, Andrew, I don't know if you're still with us, but. We may have lost your video. Yep, uh, I'm here. Okay, great. We lost your video, but we can hear you. Oh, no. It's okay. Oh, I'm back. You're back. You want to give us any final perspective? Boy, they. Um, yeah, we're still waiting on our PPP, so I don't have a ton of stuff to say on that. Um, but I do want to second the uh, sentiment about supporting our local banks. We are also switching to a smaller uh, local bank, National Capital Bank. Uh, these are the banks that are going to sort of help the community get through this and support us, and they're going to be the backbone. They're going to be the ones helping us, not the Wells Fargo's and those big banks. So uh, definitely that. And outside of that, you know, there's no way through this thing except through the wall. So we got to keep chugging and cop stay in, uh, staying positive and looking for solutions and Fingers crossed we get through this thing sooner rather than later. And then Michael and Harrison. Absolutely, Andrew, you're you're right. Like we gotta just keep powering through this, staying optimistic, staying positive. Uh, you know, I got I've got a lot of faith in, in the DC government and, and the mayor's coalition figuring out when we're gonna open and how we can do it safely. So, you know, we're excited to go back to, to making coffee and uh, just really excited to get back to uh, opening all our cafes. Please keep making that hand sanitizer because we need it. Thank you. And then uh, Renata, so I was on your website uh, while we were uh, listening to the town hall, and I see that there's a DC flag mask, which is yeah. very exciting. But then also there's a mask of a, a symbol that I'm not really that familiar with. It says ravens on it. What is, what is... <laughs> All the Redskins sold out. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, I wanted I wanted to actually um, encourage. Um, I did something that me applying for. I actually applied for a grant that the city offered two years in a row, um, the Dream Grant. And um, so during this pandemic, when I had to go buy and go and purchase things that have like tripled um, and quadrupled in price, um, the Dream Grant helped me do that. Um, as a recipient, I. Um, I had to write up, show a business proposal. So for the small businesses where, you know, it's just, I think it was like five and below employees, like definitely go to the government, go to DC's website um, and DSLBD, I believe, and like look at the grants, apply, because it definitely, um, it, it kept me going. Um, I wouldn't have been able to make those purchases. I would have stopped after the first time I sold out. I would have had to stop because, 
the price was so much higher to even purchase to keep running, um, purchase and re-up. So um, I definitely um, well, I want to thank the city, of course, but yeah, encourage small businesses to just those uh, itty bitty ones um, to to apply. Connect with the city. I know it's it's scary, um, but yeah, definitely connect. You don't have to be um, a, a, have a large staff. Um, you don't have to even have to. It could be just you. I encourage you um, make that jump. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and. Uh, you know, I just want to uh, highlight that all of the information, all the resources that we shared today are going to be on the coronavirus website. So coronavirus.dc.gov. And then if you go to the um, uh, section called resources, uh, there's a section for uh, businesses and organizations, and then also for individuals. So make sure you check that out. And I'm going to do something that we don't always do, but we have to for this uh, uh, teletown hall. And that's give the final perspective. Uh, to the Ali family. So Ali family, you're going to close this out uh, with a final perspective. You take it, Mom. You, want to, you have the final thought for the town hall meeting. Well, this has been wonderful to be with you today, and I must say that um, we will take it one day at a time, and we will learn as we go, and we will learn what a new normal will be. But in the meantime, I believe very strongly, deep down inside, that we will get through this together. Thank you. Rita? Yeah, I just um, did it to what you just said. And thank you all for um, giving us the opportunity to share our thoughts. And it was great um, being part of this and inspiring to, for us to keep, as everyone is saying, keep hitting that wall and keep moving forward. Well, we want to thank you again, and thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, more information on coronavirus.dc.gov, and uh, stay safe out there. Uh, remember to turn over every turn you can for those resources that you need to keep the business going, and, and we'll get through this together. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank